The scripture reading for today comes from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Before we go to scripture, let's pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received just a retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. Word of God for the people of God. Well, the very first time I flew on a commercial airline, I was a bit nervous. Well, I was pretty nervous. I was, I was scared, and I did something that day I've never done since. I was, well, I prayed a lot more, but also I did something. You, you've probably never done this, but I got on, and, and in my fear, I paid absolute attention to what the stewardess was saying. They were pointing to the exits, and I was looking for them. They were talking about what to do with the oxygen mask, and I was paying attention, and I identified mine, and I knew the rules. And they referred to the little brochure that nobody uses, and I peeled mine out, and I, I learned the rules, and I looked around to make sure I knew what was going on. I attended to every word that stewardess said because I was scared. Well, after that, I did what everybody else does. I rolled my eyes at people who were paying attention. I consciously ignored and continued to read my book or play my game or whatever. I, I, I didn't pay any more attention. It wasn't because I knew where all the exits were or I remembered every word. The reason was I wasn't scared. I, I, I was numb to what was going on. I, after a while, you fly enough, um, you're not concerned. It becomes kind of routine and you're more annoyed going through security lines than scared that you're going to crash and that God didn't make me for you to fly. So you get used to it, and you just kind of don't pay as much of attention. Isn't that kind of the way we do with a lot of things, even our spiritual lives? There might be times that our conscience is raised, that we, we have concerns, and, and we feel a burden of guilt, and we attend to the Word and other times we go about our lives so numb to things that we no longer even listen to what, we're, what we hear. We, we, we might read a passage and our eyes just kind of follow the lines without attending to what we're reading. In other words, spiritually, we can do very much like I've done with airplanes. We get to the point where we're not as concerned and we just go through the motions. We just kind of flow I mean, we might find ourselves doing this as we hear Scripture passages we've heard over and over again, as we go through worship and such a routine and such a, um, a habit to it that we, we don't attend to what God is saying to us as we hear His Scripture. And this is the thing that we are being warned against in these 
first few verses of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, the whole outline of it, goes through developing things about who Jesus is and how he's superior to the old covenant and superior to angels and superior to prophets and all of these things, but the whole application and the whole point that is going to be something we continue to return to is a warning to therefore not leave Jesus. Jesus is greater than anything. Therefore, hold firm to your faith in him. Hold firm to his promises. Don't turn away from him because if he's superior, why would you go to anything else? That, that is kind of the point of Hebrews. And here we get to this passage where we're being warned to attend to God's word um, the danger is that we will drift away from faith, that we will drift away from Jesus, that we will drift away from the gospel, and we have the reason why we shouldn't do that, and that leads us to our response, what we should do to avoid that danger. Uh, so the, the response to Jesus being superior to the prophets and more than that than to the angels is pay a closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away. Drifting is something that takes no energy and no effort. Drifting is just going along with the current that takes you wherever it's going. Um, that's why it's so relaxing to get into a river in an inner tube and a cooler and just let the flow wherever. It takes no energy, no effort at all. Canoeing or kayaking, you're tired after because you're going somewhere and you're putting forth effort and you're steering. But to just drift, ah, you, doesn't that just relax you now just thinking about having your feet in the water and relaxing and going with the flow? That's because naturally it's so much easier to just go where life takes us Instead of being intentional, instead of putting forth effort and putting forth energy, that, that's kind of the sense here is that you have to make yourself do something because the natural result of not attending to God's word is that we drift. And we don't drift into anything wholesome and healthy. I've never accidentally just looked up after a few weeks and thought, I've lost 10 pounds. I've kind of drifted into a diet. What do you know? I, I, it takes energy. It takes effort and, and, and consistency that I obviously don't have. You know, you don't, you don't just kind of wake up and, and find out that you've kind of trained for a marathon accidentally. You don't, you don't just kind of wake up and realize, wait a minute, I've, I've saved up a lot of money in the bank. You, you have to be intentional. You have to think about it. You have to put forth the effort. And it's so easy for us not to because we just drift into the world and the culture and the ways things are around us. D.A. Carson, a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, wrote these words, People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Word, we drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. 
We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. We don't just drift into being who God would have us to be. We don't drift into faith. We have to put forth an effort. And the danger is that we would slide away by just not giving intention and effort to staying with Jesus. I, 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 in one sense, in the sense of what the author of Hebrews is dealing with is, people are going to be uh, pulled to something else, to go back to Judaism, to go to the, the pagan world around them, to do what everyone else is. And so there's a temptation for them to leave the church. And there's a temptation for us to just kind of gradually, slowly find that we have left our habits and gone away. But there's also a way that we in the church can, can stay and just kind of find ourselves drifting away from Christ, going through the motions, kidding ourselves that we are following Jesus when we become just as worldly in the sense of using other people, being impatient, being unforgiving, using people to kind of achieve things that we can become as abusive and angry as the world around us we can drift into that and then baptize it with the church and say that we're doing something for God and that we can even be more like worldly, but say that we're doing it for a holy reason so that we can drift and find ourselves drifting away from what it means to be a Savior who is forgiving and loving and gracious and, and, and find ourselves leaving that slowly to reflect the world around us that we can drift in so many ways. So we must be intentional to listen and pay even more attentions to his word. That's what he um, is going to call us to do. And the reason for this, so the danger is that we're drifting. The reason for not drifting is if the message declared to the angels was reliable, how much more so is the message given to the Son? If the Son is greater than the angels, then, the, then we know that anything given to the angels was kept. The promises, the warnings, the commandments, all of those were to be kept, and they showed that um, God was keeping these promises for when they were faithful, God blessed them. When they rejected, they went into exile. When they didn't obey the commandments, God's curses came upon them. What he's saying is, if this is so with the angels, how much more so than the one who's superior to the angels? And the understanding there is that the old covenant was given to Moses through the angels. Um, we, we see this in Acts 7, 53. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Now, it's not just the Ten Commandments were given by the angels. It's that the whole structure of the law, the priesthood, the temple system, the sacrifices, the commandments, the promises of God's blessing, the, the, the promise of God to be faithful and to forgive and to be with him, all of these were mediated by the angels as part of this. How much more so is the promise now given to us through the Son? The 
the promise of forgiveness, of to be received into family, into Christ's family, uh, of the commandments to turn the other cheek and to love and to forgive and to care for those in need, of the, of the commandments to keep ourselves pure from the world, and then the promises and the means to receive these things of, of hearing his word, of coming to the table, of receiving baptism, all these things that draw us close to him and mediate his grace to us, how much more so will God's blessings and promises be given to us that are given to us through his son? And so when Jesus says that we come to him, his burden is easy, his yoke is light, that promise is true. If the promise of the angels was true, how much more so will this? How much more so will the promise that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved? And yet also the warnings that he's given us. For he does warn us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. All who come to the Father, no one comes to the Father but through him. He gives us the warning that not only do we, we see in John 3.16 where we're told that... Um, Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We also have to heed the warning in, in John 3, 36, that whoever believes in him has life, but whoever does not believe will not save life because the wrath of God remains on him. We, we hear both of these, and we attend to them because they are as certain because he is greater than the angels. But even more so than that, the author of Hebrews I really wish we knew who wrote it so I didn't have to keep saying the author of Hebrews. I could just say the name of the writer. But anyway, we see here that it's confirmed. The message, the promises, the commandments, and the warnings are all confirmed not only by the one greater than the angels, but the Holy Trinity. In chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse um, um, 3, towards the end, it was declared at first by the Lord. So this gospel, the message of the kingdom was declared by Jesus, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders. In other words, God the Father confirmed Jesus' message through the miracles that Jesus did. When Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, it's done so to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. And more than that, not only the signs and wonders and various miracles, but also by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So the Holy Spirit in giving gifts to the church of, of teaching and of faith and of, of hearing these things and of, of passing them on also confirms these words. In other words, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all confirming this gospel message. And if that is the case, brothers, sisters, we must attend to it. We must listen. We must hear what he says to us and not just brush it off, not just scroll past it like most of the messages that come in our Facebook feed, not just tune it out like most of the messages we hear on TV and the radio, but we must attend to it and hear what he says to us. And so we have to give effort to hold firm to pay much closer attention. That word there um, can also talk about just holding fast to something, holding steady to something, to not drift away. It, it would be also the word of, of a, a boat in a harbor, staying to the dock. You're holding close to it. So we want to hold fast to the message that we have received. 
So that means being intentional. We're not going to just drift into hearing God's word. We're not just going to accidentally hear the message. We, we attend to his word. That means setting up time in your life to hear it. Uh, what we're doing now of gathering together to hear the word, hear it explained, of, of gathering with brothers and sisters other times during the week to, to study it and to think about it, to set up times in your own life to attend to it and, and listen and pay attention but more than just being there and listening and, and having it in our presence is attending to it, asking questions, bringing your doubts, making sure you're clear on what it means, listening to it. And, and the areas where it's a promise, hold to that promise. I mean, life is rough, I mean, the difficulties we face and the news that we deal with, everyone is carrying something. Everyone has a burden. And, and the difficulties that we, we come through and the grief that we have and the worries and the anxiety and, and the fear and the news, we need to hear the promise every morning that God has made you in his image. He loved you and he died on the cross for you in Jesus Christ and he is drawing you to himself and he is working in your life and the stuff that you have messed up, he forgives. And the stuff that you continue to mess up, he's working in your life to make you more like Christ. And he is doing all things for your good and even the worst news that you're facing, God is in it and doing it for your good and his glory and he's not going to let you fall. He is holding you fast. Therefore, hold fast to those promises. We need to continually remember the grace that is ours is as we face the difficulties of this life. And as we deal with other people. And, and we also need to hear the commandments. That I want to go one way and I want to do things my way. I need to be reminded of a gentle, loving Savior who calls me to be patient and kind and gracious and holy and pure. And I need to hear the warnings that apart from Christ, there is no other hope. In myself, I have no hope. And there's no other gospel that I can go to that will give me the forgiveness and the grace, and I need to hear that warning to hold fast to him who is holding fast to me. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where your faith is, if you're not sure what you believe, if this is just kind of a, it's an interesting thing, it can be very easy for us to just kind of brush this off as just another message in a world full of messages of people trying to sell us something. Hold fast to these words. Pay attention to what he says. Hear the promises he offers that no one else promises and receive them by faith and trust in him. And for those of us who are trusting, who are uh, believing in Christ, and, and um, we need to have the humility to hear the warning that we too can fall away, that we can drift. You know, one of the things that we believe is that when Christ saves someone, he does so for all eternity. 
that we, uh, he will keep the ones he has regenerated and hold us. Uh, in other words, it's the doctrine of, of once saved, always saved. But I think there's a temptation for us to kind of make that something light that isn't scriptural, something kind of with the idea that I believed at one time, therefore I'm going to always believe. But, but the, the message is that the one who believes to the end is the one who has saving faith. We don't need to let this raise doubts to us, but we do need to hear the warnings that the Scripture gives us that true faith is faith that endures and that we need to be cautious that we are holding fast to the words and paying attention to them lest we drift away. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.